I'm Jordan Weitzman, and this is Magic Hour. El Perez is my guest on the show today. I wanted to just speak about the thing that stuck with me most since we met, which is their overall excitement for the medium. You know, like a lot of great photographers are mainly interested in like-minded work, but what was so inspiring about El was hearing them speak about Ache, about Walker Evans with such enthusiasm and passion. We looked at pictures for a long time together and El kept on pointing out details that I'd just never seen before, essentially just teaching me how to see better. After hanging out for a bit, it was pretty clear why at 28, they're teaching at Harvard and RISD this semester. It made total sense that they were recently on a brilliant panel at MoMA discussing feminism and photography. And I totally got how that passion for the canon coupled with their own personal interests translated into the incredible work they make. Before we get the conversation, just one more thing I wanted to share. After the interview, I asked if they thought they could make a good picture of anyone, which is always something I'm curious about with photographers that take pictures of people. Stopping to think about it for a sec, they said, probably, but I wouldn't want to make a good picture of anyone. Like, I wouldn't want to make just anyone look good. Like, I wouldn't want to make Trump look good. I asked how they make someone look good, expecting an answer having to do with some kind of formal strategy a la Larry Clark and his knowledge of lighting from his time working as a baby photographer. Elle looked at me and without batting an eyelash said, you just love them. And as simple as that sounds, I thought it was so profound and revealing of Elle's practice. Okay, here's the conversation. Hope you enjoy. When we recorded it, Elle had just wrapped up the summer residency program at the Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture, where they were a dean. And I was curious to know more about what it's like there. There's something that happens because of the way that it's like physically structured. So like you have 400 acres, you live with everyone, you're in a dorm, you have to walk up this hill to get to the studios. So then by the time you get up the hill, you're like, oh my God, I just like went on a journey. But also there's probably been someone walking up the hill at the same time as you. So you just had like a 10 minute conversation with somebody and then you're continuing it and then you get to this porch where the office is, where like me and my co-dean and like Sarah work now, like all work. And there's like all these rocking chairs on the porch. So you're like, well, I just like, I'm out of breath now. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> and then right next to the <laughs> porch is this room that we like lovingly refer to as like the muffin room because Sean, um, <laughs> Sean, who is the baker, makes like the best muffins in the entire world so you're like well I guess I'll have a muffin and some coffee now that I'm here and then before you know it you've like been on the porch talking about whatever you've been talking about like art or your life or what you're doing next or like I don't yeah or like last night's gossip um and then like it's lunchtime <laughs> so you're like okay well I guess I'll go to the studio <laughs> after lunch and then you go down to lunch um which is up the hill which is still up the hill but you go to the lunch pad and then you sit at like a picnic table with like 10 other people and have another conversation. And like maybe one of those people is like a faculty member or something because it's all we're kind of like all together. We're all together. And so you really get to know like there's always like this kind of like, I don't know, nervousness around the faculty like hmm. the first week because they're incredible and they're these art stars. And in some case, like they're not always art stars, but. I don't know, there's someone you, you've admired or you've seen give talks or like you've just heard about and then suddenly like here they are in the flesh like bitching about the hill with you, you know, and you're like, you're like, you're human. And they're like, yeah. Now, hang on a second. You, yeah. you went there when you were younger. 
I went there. I was a participant in 2015. Were there any art stars mm. who? Yeah. Oh my god! I'm so glad I get to tell the story. Okay, so <laughs> yes, yeah, so Latoya Ruby Fraser. Oh wow. Was on faculty. It was Latoya had been like a hero of mine. Like I was introduced to her work like in undergrad, and I'd thought about her work for a long time, and then suddenly she's in, um, like my life on a daily basis. And then there was one day where we get to lunch and like, there's no lunch available. Like, like we got there like a little too late and we missed all of the food. So it's just like, there's like one pickle and like, I don't know, like half an end of a piece of bread. And Latoya just looks up at me from across, from across kind of like the lunch line. And she's like, she like points at me and she's like, do you want to go to Taco Bell? And I was like, what? Me? And she's like, yes, UL. Do you want to go to like Taco Bell? We're going to steal a van and we're going to go to Taco Bell. And so, <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, I'm going to Taco Bell with Latoya Ruby Fraser. And so we like get in the car and um, we're driving to Taco Bell and we're just talking. We're just like talking. We're just having a normal conversation and like freaking out all the, whole, the whole time. And I like was so kind of overwhelmed by like getting to go to Taco Bell with my hero that I like forgot my wallet. So she was like, I'll get you a gordita. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Like, I'm so hungry. I was like, so, she's like this ridiculous moment, right? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And then Latoya's like, you are an idiot. Like, no, she's not like that. But she was just like, it's just a gordita. Yeah. Like, I'll get it. It's fine. And I was like, Latoya B. Fraser bought me a gordita. <laughs> it was like a, a highlight of my life. Wow. She was one of the first photographers I you really, her, yeah. she's like, she was one of the first ones you really got into. When totally. You saw that. Absolutely. Yeah. When did you first get into photography? Um, I got into photography when I was like in high school, um, and I had just been kind of like photographing my friends and photographing um, the Bronx, and not thinking that that was actually art um, because I was taking—I don't know—it wasn't what art looked like, like air quotes. And then, um, and so no, but really, so I didn't include it in my and and it was also like the era of like the cobra snake. Like, do you remember like Mark Hunter? No. Okay, so Mark Hunter is this photographer who went by the Cobra Snake, and he was doing, like, a lot of these, like, digital nightlife photographs that I thought were actually, like, really amazing, but um, people kind of started to, like, write off as just, like, party pictures. So in doing something that looked even similar to that, people were like, this isn't art. Like, this is just, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, like, dismissed off the bat. But that's how I got into it. And then when I saw Latoya's work in college, it was more that... It had to do something with like license. Like it was the license to photograph what was around me and like where I was coming from and what my life was like and that that could be art. Um, and that was maybe like the first time that I was like, oh, oh, I actually maybe don't have to go and find a subject outside of like the world that I like like the world that I occupy and I live in and the people that I know and the people that I love and the people that I want to photograph are enough and are actually totally worthy of being art, capital A. Um, and so that, I think that work was like the license kind of for it. And as I've like looked at that work like again and again and again, like it just, oh, I, like every time I come back to it, there's always like something more there that I can kind of, I don't know, like bounce off of. Yeah. So what was that work like? How did you start experimenting? Mm, so I think that I had already been going back to, um, like the work that I made in the Bronx when I was younger, it was like pretty 
an, a pretty incredible archive of images. It was like 30,000 images that I was showing to my friends and were accessible like online to the people that I was photographing, but weren't necessarily like, I wasn't like, these are art. And then um, I started to put them in, into like, and I was going back like once, kind of like a month to shoot um, from Baltimore up to New York on the bus and then um, I was starting to like introduce them into crit but they were also getting kind of like dismissed in crit as party pictures like I remember once uh, being in the lab and I'd started to take them in film because I was still like oh that makes them art <laughs> like they couldn't <laughs> being just... filmed yeah, yeah. I totally it's like 2008 2009 yeah. um, and digital wasn't like now people are like okay digital is like acceptable but at that mm. point like digital was still not fully accepted yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. So, like, so I was printing in the color dark room, and I remember somebody somebody coming up behind me and being like, "Oh, more party pictures," and I was like, mm. "Come on, like, fuck you! Like, these are so much more than just that." Like, yeah. but then I think when I was in grad school, I finally was able to like really kind of own it but and it, like it, link, linked it together. But yeah, and it was and that, that was like the first work you considered to be like work, like the the so called party pictures. Oh, I guess in, no, I think there was like a period of time where I was really trying to make art, like again, air quotes and not just like do what I was interested in, which is a better way to make art actually than trying to like make art, hmm. if that makes sense. What was that? Like, what were you interested in? Oh, I mean, I was like, had this whole kind of like side production that I wasn't then showing like in college. Hmm. I feel like 2007 to like 2011, like Alex Soth like loomed like really large and like this like kind of like mode of like going out into the world, like a, a lone photographer going out into the world and like capturing something in large format, you know, it was like the, on a tripod and yeah. it was serious and it was. Did that appeal to you at all? Yeah, I think there, I mean, definitely like, so maybe there was like a period of time where I'm going to call it like my Alex Soth fan art that I was like making this like Alex Soth fan <laughs> art. But it would be like, because it's such a, it's a formula that you can like follow, right? It's like you, person, take your camera that is a tripod, that is attached to a tripod and go into a community that you like care about, question mark, and then like make <laughs> these pictures of people like entirely in the frame. But like, it's not that, while that, I think like it feels good to follow a formula like that, but it's not, like for him, it's an earnest like amalgamation of his interests yeah, of, yeah totally. or, or his influences to yeah. totally yeah. like yeah. how he's kind of come to that but i think that like then if somebody else follows that formula like it just becomes like it's not that earnest right and it's not intuitive so it's totally like um and like you can have moments i think that of course just by the nature of photography like you would have moments and i think i had moments that it would be your own kind of image or your own voice but it was but there was like I don't know, man. But it also like kind of gives a bit this like veneer of nostalgia that then I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? And like, so the work that I was making like before that was like this like digital work was like very much like of that moment. And then I went on this like Alex Soth like fan art nostalgia trip. And that was like really weird. <laughs> like ultimately productive in that I learned something and won't do that again, but unproductive in making images that were like mine. Mm. <laughs> Now, hang on a second. I just want to get a timeline kind of straight. Sure. So Outliers is the work where you basically, you, you go out into the world in search of certain kinds of people that you want to photograph, that you're interested in mm -hmm. photographing. You're traveling by train 
and I guess that's th- th- that seems like the seeds, like they're, they're the seed of the of like the work that you'd go on to to make. Yeah. Well, I think the work that came before that um, stands up a little better, <laughs> <laughs> which is conversations. Um, and those were like photographs that I made in the studio um, in college that were like with this like red background. Right, right. Yeah. So I had made these photographs of my friends like that I was in college with that were very close to me. And were, um, I don't know, these like really intimate kind of encounters where we would have this like experience in like together where we would talk for a while and then I would make a portrait of them and then we would, um, and then I was using also like this, um, this, um, tool that I have modified to have kind of like a half, um, to have like a half, uh, like it could half distort the image. So like this is like all done in camera. Like none of that, this kind of like distortion of like half of the frame or like half of the face to create this kind of like ghost image on top would be like done totally in camera, totally digital image. And like, mm. and that, then I was printing them like pretty large, like when you could order like large C prints from like Elko in like New Jersey. And like, um, cause digital inkjet wasn't quite there yet enough for like an image like this to be like the, 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 D90 wasn't there yet. And then also the, the digital output of like the, the Epson printer, I couldn't make the print as large as I wanted to. So I was making it like 40 inches on one side on the long side. Um, and so those, I don't know, this was like, this to me, I think this work stands up a little bit better because it was that kind of like earnest engagement with like people that I had relationships with that were also going through what I was going through. But there was, because, I don't know, because of, I guess, what was in the air at the time. And, like, I was really young and, like, easily influenced. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just curious what you yeah. were going through at the time. Oh, I guess, like, um, I mean, uh, the same thing that everybody in these photographs is going through, which is kind of, like, figuring out their, like, gender identity or, like, their queer identity in relationship to, like, who they are at that moment in time, who they've been. Um, and then like in this moment of like your early twenties kind of in college, like when you're really figuring yourself out. So it was like more honest, I think, than like the, than, than, um, than doing what I did next, which I thought somehow was more legitimate, which was to go out into the world and like, and meet other people. And I think that I still had to do that, Mm. but I think that in terms of just the work or the photographs that were produced, I think these are better pictures because they have more of a more of a connection like laid the groundwork for their creation and so we there's like a lot of trust in them I think like in terms of like what I would consider like the foundational kind of like elements of like my like portraits now like trust I find very important um love I find very important and so like I trusted and loved these people and they also felt the same way about me and so that's why we were able to kind of make these pictures together and when I was in doing outliers, like, like it was, it was like a first meeting. Like it was such a first date for like so many of us. And like, there were, there were, um, like there were pictures I think that came out of outliers that are, that I really still love, but I think that there was a gap there because it was kind of like run and gun in a way that I don't actually think, um, for me produces like a good image, mm-hmm. um, 
if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So do you still feel like you work in a similar kind of way in terms of that dynamic between you and the person you're photographing? Yeah, I think it has to do with like, for me, like that trust building is actually a kind of like formal strategy um, that then has like very real kind of ramifications in the photograph because of the way that people hold themselves because of the way that people like reveal themselves to you. Um, and so like all of that kind of connection building is also kind of like a strategy that allows me to like get what, um, I'm looking for Mm. like out of a portrait of someone. Um, and so it can take a long time. Like there've been, um, people that I've wanted to photograph for like years (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then finally do and it finally works or something like I um I don't know and then there's people that I feel um kind of or like who maybe like we have an immediate connection to and I can like immediately pretty immediately do it but um but it but it's different for every person um and it's kind of like different for me for every person too because it also takes like watching people um, for a while and really kind of like looking at them and seeing kind of like what, what it is, um, that would, I would want to photograph, um, or like what it is that would be, um, I don't know, that would, that would reveal something beyond, not just about them, but like, like maybe like beyond them or something. I don't, I don't know, Mm. but it, but it, yeah, it, I, f- I think of trust as like a formal strategy almost because it's like the pictures are so much about like the relationships um, that made them. What do you look for in the people that you like to photograph that you're interested in photographing? Hmm. I don't know. They're like very much people that are surrounding me that I like have kind of an emotional attachment to. And sometimes like the the connection or the energy between like me and another person will just like lead me to want to photograph them and to get them to know them better. And then sometimes it's that I know them really well and I want to kind of like photograph them. Like, so sometimes it kind of like the photo, the desire to photograph leads, um, the emotional connection. And sometimes it's the opposite. Um, but like this picture of like Chai, like we, um, were just like sitting on the porch of, um, of this house in Adjuntas in Puerto Rico. And we were, I don't know. She, she just kind of pulled out for a moment and, and I saw it. And so without asking her, like, I just immediately was like, fuck, like I, like, I know that like Chai will trust me enough. I know that Chai already trusts me enough that I can like kind of take this photograph without her knowing and she'll be okay with it. Once I show it to her, like she'll be okay with it. And like, and immediately she was, she was, she was like, um, but it was something about like how, I don't know, not like how beautiful she is in this moment. I mean, she's a very beautiful person, but like, like physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, but also kind of like in this kind of, in this moment or in this kind of moment that she's having, like within herself or something, there was something there that just was like, had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, That was in Puerto Rico. Yeah. That was in Puerto Rico. Yeah. You've been making a lot of work there. I've been making work there for a number of years. Um, and like I mentioned before, like my Alex Soth fan art, like definitely hit Puerto Rico and like (laughs) was, um, the, the Alex Soth fan art that I made when I was in Puerto Rico was, um, so disconnected from like 20, like, well, I guess it was like 2013 at the time. It was so disconnected from like 2013. It was so much about this like kind of nostalgia 
um, for a place that um, I didn't grow up. And that felt like such an, in, uh, that felt like such a, an inauthentic conversation to have with a place that is so fucking interesting um, and so rad- like so deeply important to me. And like, I don't know, a place that's also like really radical. So like, D- deeply important because of your roots, your family. Yeah, my fr- my family's from there. I still yeah. I have family there. Um, I'm working on a project with um, this collective that I'm in in Adjuntas, and like, um, I it's a place that I feel. I don't know. It was kind of like amazing the first time that I ever went to Puerto Rico and like was in a population that was like, oh, like everyone here looks like they're like a member of my family. And that's like insane. Like, it, like <laughs> what? Like, whoa, like this is so wild. And like you just hear Spanish. And like that was like so all the time, like everywhere. And that was so overwhelming. Um, and to like finally be able to like um, because so much of like growing up in the Bronx is like these touchstones to Puerto Rico, but they're they're so decontextualized. So like it'll be like a name of a place or like um, a reference and you will never you don't know it. But everyone, you know, everyone who's older around you does know it. And then suddenly like you have the context kind of for all of these references that you've grown up with kind of totally decontextualized from. But like with a connection to like in in, in the Bronx, which has like a huge Puerto Rican population. Um, you're saying going there gave you like the, like that the context yeah, yeah, yeah. for a lot of the things that I had like grown up with or like understood as like traditions, but like where they came from or like what they looked like originally was lost, um, until like experiencing it. So hmm. I'm curious. So y- your grandparents came to, to the Bronx? Yeah. So your grandparents moved to the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a porous border, um, because, um, Puerto Rico is a, um, colony of the United States and so um, they call it a commonwealth but it's actually a col- it's a colony um, and they um, Puerto Ricans were granted kind of citizenship um, in the uh, 20th century and so as a US citizen um, in Puerto Rico you can come back and forth so you can go kind of like to um, you can go to the United States and you don't have to go through this kind of like process of immigration that so many other um, people do have to go through. And you have kind of a certain amount of like privilege and freedom um, to, to kind of go back and forth as you, as you wish, um, which is pretty incredible, but also, um, also difficult to do. Um, So my, my, both of my, both sides of my family are from Puerto Rico um, and my grandparents um, on both sides uh, did come over to New York and then um, were at separate points have kind of returned to Puerto Rico to live and like kind of come back and and so on and so forth and the same with my my father has like lived in Puerto Rico for like chunks of time and um, so so it's basically it's like three generations of your family like still living in the Bronx while well, you're living in in Flushing now <laughs> but yeah but your your parents and grandparents still live there yeah, I grew up in the Bronx. My parents still live in the Bronx, um, my sister, but my my grandfather um, lives in Puerto Rico. My um, grandmother on my father's side lives in the Bronx, and my grandmother on my mother's side lives in Florida. Florida, the other the other Bronx. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other Puerto Rico well, where, in Florida. Where <laughs> There's Puerto Rico 1, which is Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico 2, which is the Bronx. And then Puerto Rico 3, which is Tampa. <laughs> like... <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. 
But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Your work is so much about gender and identity politics. I'm really curious about about your own experience with your own sure <laughs> is what, it, are, it, what are what are you what's identity politics even i don't even know anymore. is that like is just that like a, a just uh, a person on earth man <laughs> true that true that yeah no i'm curious about how, how you felt growing up and what that experience was like um okay so so <laughs> yeah. so one thing that i that i found out doing a little bit of prep for this is that you changed your name when you were super young uh-huh yeah you changed it from well, no okay no no no, no. You, you, you changed you're it like to, gonna dox me no no, like. no 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 you changed it you changed it to l yeah 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 there's a multiple entendre there yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. which is ellen ellen french is means mm-hmm. she and mm-hmm. ellen spanish means means he mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was something you were like you were thinking yeah. about that when you were no i definitely wasn't thinking about that when i was like 13 i was thinking about how to make it easier for people who were largely white to like say my name without butchering it into like complete oblivion. And so like my mother still calls me by like my birth name and like, it's this, I feel like it's this like kind of nice secret that we have like, and I like that. I like being kind of like having that ability to like be different things in different moments or something, or like be, be like different versions with like different people. And I like, I actually kind of enjoy that so once my mother did try and call me l like out of respect like she kind of was trying to do it out of like respect for like me as like a autonomous person and i was like don't do that (laughs) and she was like what i was like no please just like you can please just keep calling me by that name because it feels good when you do it and it's also the name that like i don't know out of like respect for her like like she gave me that name and like it functions in a very particular way I don't know. And and it's also like in Puerto Rico, like I realized that like once people could actually say my name, like it was a very different kind of, in Puerto Rico, it's hilarious to try and introduce yourself as L number one, like people like, it's just, it does not work. Like it is, it is not a functional name. L isn't a functional name. Not in Puerto Rico. Like uh-huh. people are like very confused about it. Um, and then sometimes people are like, what's that short for? And then it's kind of just fun to be like really obtuse about it. Just like never give in um, and kind of like refuse kind of refuse people letting kind of refuse letting people like know me on that level or something where like that's like that that is like reserved for like a certain kind of like echelon of like people in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Like my mom. (laughs) This really was. My sister. I mean, it's it's really sweet. Yeah. Nice how you're able to have that. I'm so curious about your teenage years <laughs> no no i'm so no 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 i'll tell you why why yeah because for me being gay yeah that was like a big struggle of mine like i didn't sure. co- i didn't come out until i was like until i was 24 yeah and it was like a and it was like a really really big deal 
It was when like you a, came out. Yeah, when I came out, but also as like a teenager, even just feeling like attracted Did you know? to guys and stuff. You knew? I mean, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that I was gay. Like I didn't. Or you think like you didn't have gay. like the words for it or something, or like, but you knew something was up. Well, yeah, I knew that I was attracted to guys, but I didn't know that I was gay. Like I didn't yeah. know any gay people. Like I, I didn't Aww. know. Like it's great. Like I didn't have like any gay friends or any any gay people in my like yeah. immediate surroundings or family friends or so. It was a very um, I don't yeah. know. It was like there's something foreign about it to me. Totally. So it was a big, like, I don't know, it was a struggle. And I guess I'm just curious yeah. if, if that plays into why it's been, it, it, like, that um, that mm-hmm. subject has become so important in your work. Um, I wonder about that. I don't know. In some ways, I've stopped kind of wondering just because I, like, I am who I am. And I want to just make the work without kind of, like, self-pathologizing or something and, like, yeah, I don't know. But I also like, I mean, I think similarly, like to your experience, like I remember like not having for so long, like not having like the words, like absolutely. Or like identifying with something. Like I remember the first time that I saw Maplethorpe's work, I like really felt deeply um, connected to it or like Bruce LaBruce's work. And like, I remember having this thought that like I was sad because I wasn't a gay man so I felt like I would never be able to like make work like um I was like man like I guess I'm a lesbian like I'm not a gay man (laughs) you felt sad that you weren't a gay man yeah because I was like oh god like they have such a beautiful visual culture and I wish that I was a part of that and like of course it's hilarious now like with my like identity and like my kind of like personal um I don't know like everything that I'm interested in like how like gender queerness and like how my own kind of like questions about transitioning and then also like the masculinity that I'm like that I am um like attracted to like both like photographically and like in like the world like and in kind of like my friends and in my um my partner and like I don't know like all of these things like it's like the work is like really um the the work at points is like really gay but then actually what's even better has been like this distance between like the um I don't know the reference and or the the visual culture of like um like cis gay male um history and like what like what kind of like the the like trans version of that looks like and and um or like the genderqueer version of that looks like I appreciate the distance now and I appreciate the difference now where like I think when I was in high school I I lamented it and I wished that I was different (laughs) even though I didn't and the the kind of like the punchline, right, is that, like, you can't, you actually, like, like, I, like, I could be, <laughs> like, I could be a gay man. Like, <laughs> like, that's the punchline, <laughs> is that, like, actually, like, you can, like, like, tiny baby, like, that's called being, like, trans, you know, but, like, <laughs> it's, like, or maybe you are, like, that, that is kind of the, like, the, the punchline has to do with, like, assuming that the way that you are born is, like, the only, like, way that you get to be or something, and, like, it's not, it's not true, but it takes time to like understand that. And it takes exposure to understand that, which I think is like also what you're talking about with like not knowing, like not, not, not being able to like know the words for how to be gay or something because you've never seen, um, you've never seen it. Like you've never just seen another person who was like, yes, this feeling you have, I too have this feeling. And then this is what I, you know, this is what I've done about it. Or like, this is how I've lived my life. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like a new thing. Like I have a friend who, is um maybe 
30 and just kind of coming into his queerness and like we were having this conversation where he was talking about like having to like reformat bad or like or weird or strange into just new um like the like feeling like he was it was weird for him to feel a certain way and then being like no it's new it's new like this is a new feeling or something like that like that this kind of like reframing of how you think about um the feelings that you're having or the experiences that you're having and of course like then you can kind of go into this whole like you can you can go into this whole thing about like where these things come from or where these like ideas or where these like previous or like given or like passed down frameworks like come to but come from but I'm I feel like right now in my life I'm like more interested in like a framework of like um like, like just what I said to you earlier, actually, where I was like, I'm just a person in the world, man. Like, you know, just like just a person on earth, just like here alive living. And this is how I want to live. And like, these are the people that I've surrounded myself who also kind of want to, you know, some of them want to live like this and, or I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's no, that uh, kind of like, I don't know, this is who we are. This is where we are. And like, this is what we like. And of course, of course. But guess, then, yeah. but then we, we also all, you know, we also all know how we feel. And then we totally. contend with, and then we contend with society and the culture yeah, yeah, around yeah. us, and 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 it makes a big impact on you. You right. know, like growing yeah, up, absolutely, no, yeah, totally, yeah. And yeah. obviously, like growing up, you're not aware. You yeah. know, you're, you're you're not even close to as self aware as you are now. Right. And there's just so many influences. You know, the yeah. movies you see, the TV shows you watch, the ads, right. I mean, all of that plays into your right. plays into your psyche, and it and it and it fucks with you. Yeah. But what's interesting is that you didn't like. I think for me, there was more of a desire to be. To feel like the like the like being st- like a straight man was like which was like more of a normal thing was mm, kind of mm-hmm. n- the more desirable thing like I didn't want to be different necessarily whereas with your experience it seems like you were like you. <laughs> It's like you it's didn't so want to be just like you didn't want to be like a girl or you like you wanted to no. be like a, yeah yeah definitely not yeah you, like you didn't feel a certain way but that you just never to. worked yeah it just yeah. never worked. Yeah, and it, 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 I think at that point when I had that thought, I was like a senior. I remember encountering. I was a senior in high school, and I remember. I think I was at the Educational Alliance, and I think I just remember they had this library there. Um, it was like a little small library, kind of like a room, really, with some art books that had been donated. And I think like Maplethorpe was one of those art books. And like sometimes I would like sit in that library and just like pour through these books because I was like really hungry for images and hungry for like information and then would just kind of like um I think that's where I found um that Maplethorpe book and then was kind of like I don't know I guess I had put it together that like gay men had contributed so much to culture or so much to art and I was like oh man I want to contribute to art (laughs) like it was just like so funny like it's just like the funniest lament do you feel the work that you do, the photos that you make, has it been like cathartic in any way? It's interesting because I think this connects to what we were like talking about earlier about this kind of like, what is art for? <laughs> like question that we have. Tell had. me, what is art for? Oh God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one always breaks down into like, does art have to be for anything? Um, which is really fun, which is like this kind of like thing that I, I don't know, this like discussion that I got into with like the students that... I'm teaching right now at RISD and like in like one of our classes and we just like broke it all down and like everyone's kind of feelings about it. Like we're just totally on the table about like who and, and like if it's for something, who's it for? And like, do we have to do any Like what is art obligated to? Like kind of it's just like that one just like shatters into all these other questions. But um, 
that ultimately become about like a personal ethics about like what you want art to be for or like what you want your art to do and like that I feel like any kind of broad generalization about what art is for in society is like never going to live up to like the multiple like um the multiple kind of uh possibilities of what art can be for so it's like uh, like it just it just comes down to like a personal I think a personal decision making and a personal ethics about art um and like whether or not you want it to be for something um and and who and what that is for but um what's your art for like what do you or what do you want it to be mm, for that is a great question um that I don't fully have the answer to right now but I've been like desperately trying to kind of like figure out at least a version of that to like to like work from um and I think that one of the things that I decided I didn't want to do um was to have it be purely didactic and I think that this what I've been trying to do lately and maybe why I'm so kind of like squirrely around certain questions about like my own identity and like in relationship to like what my, um, what the output that I'm making right now is, is that I think that for the work that I'm making right now, I've been trying to get away from some of the tropes of representation. Like I'm so fucking over sad images of trans people. Like I'm so fucking deeply over it. Um, Cause like, I don't know, like this is, I'm fucking happy. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like I don't like that. Like this is, of course, like there's all these things going on in the world, but like, I'm like, this has been like coming into myself has been like the best thing that has happened to me. So like, why would the, why would that image that I made then be a sad image? image like i don't i don't know so like there's totally get what you're like saying. you know what i'm saying like the, totally it just has to uh, like of course like it could be like contemplative like of course mm-hmm. but like i just like kind of thinking about like what does life actually feel like <laughs> yeah. and what does it actually look like and what is if i'm if what is an honest portrait look like at this moment and it's like especially like this week has been like so complicated but it's also been like i'm experiencing it all at the same time right so it's like this week has been like phenomenal and this week has been horrible and it's also been mundane and so like all of that i feel like should be in the work or something and that's where i that's where i've been thinking about tillman's a lot is that i feel like somehow somehow he's able to also do that and of course there's like i could like lay out all the strategies that he uses to be able to do that but i've been thinking about like what my version of that would be or something and that's where like that question of what is what is your art for i'm like good question i'll let you know when i find out (laughs) right before i die (laughs) you know like well i hope it takes you there you know fuck (laughs) (laughs) lifelong pursuits Mm -hmm. Hmm. it's a life yeah yeah why was this past week amazing? I can't tell you yet. Why was this past week horrible? Um, it's Friday, September 22nd, and I still have not been able to contact any of my family or friends in Puerto Rico. Oh, man. Um, it also, like, there was an earth, the earthquake in Mexico that also happened on Wednesday. I believe it also happened on Wednesday. Um, like, two of my friends who are also in this collective, who are also part of uh, part of this project in Puerto Rico or in Mexico City. 
um, like helping to dig people out. And, you know, luckily they, their cell communication did not go down. So we were able to confirm that they were all right. But like, that's pretty, like, it's pretty terrifying. Um, my partner also was, um, uh, arrested at a counter protest and I probably shouldn't say anything more about that, but like, then I have to kind of like get off the phone and go teach about like Aj and like we have this like really incredible moment that I kind of described to you where like you know I've I've managed to get like a group of like twenty year olds to like <laughs> clap and scream at like an Aj like that's like you know that's like pretty cool actually and it like feels really good and we're able to have this like super you know amazing intense like experience together and then also like you know feel like it's like getting somewhere like we got somewhere or something or like we learned something all like we all learned something in the classroom that day or something and then like you know having office hours after that with like students and being able to kind of like really kind of hash out stuff with them like that's like that's unbelievable like it's an it's just like so high and so low at the same time and like um that's quite a week, first of all. Yeah, it's quite a week. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> it's um, still going. I just wanted to ask you about your teaching. I know it's a, it's a really important part of your life. And I'm yeah. just curious about how, how you teach. I remember you, you mentioning to me once that like, you really don't like giving like just slide lectures <laughs> and talking in front of a class and you really like it to be like a just a big conversation yeah totally so first of all you're teaching at RISD this semester mm-hmm. and Harvard so I'm teaching um intro I'm teaching like intro to still photography at Harvard and then I'm teaching uh junior critique at RISD so it's like very different kind of population so like students who are coming to photography for the first time and maybe the only time or and also students at Harvard who are art majors like a couple of them who are art majors as well And then my students at RISD have, like, made a very, like, distinct decision to, like, study art explicitly and, and, um, and to kind of center that. And so they, um, are, um, like, really kind of focused, that is where they want to focus the bulk of their, their college education. So it's, like, totally different kind of communities and, um, well, not totally different, but, like, different kind of goals, I think, are, like, um, maybe in both classrooms, but, like, but my teaching style tends to be the same, which is um, energetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could definitely see that. <laughs> no, you are so enthusiastic about photography in general. No, seriously, yeah, no, you are totally. so enthusiastic. No, it, 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 it's absolutely. such it's such a pleasure to see, oh and it's God. so it's so inspiring to see. You know, some photographers are just like they they make a certain kind of work, and they're just into that kind of work Ugh, and just like very specific. But you really have like a love of the medium and the photography and like the history of photography, mm-hmm. and you get a sense like there's like it's like this ongoing like curiosity and, yeah. and conveying that inc- excitement. I guess is like is is the point. Yeah, I think it's like you know, no, no. On. It's just I'm just reminded of like uh, of you know that expression of you know like a good teacher is not someone who fills the pail but lights the fire, hmm. and I almost feel like that is really like it seems to me oh, like yeah. your class are like that. It's Light like that match. Yeah, like getting kids like fired <laughs> up, you know. Yeah, I mean it's just so much easier also to be excited than it is to like. I don't know, than to not be excited. It's just so much more purposeful to like one of the main things that I like really try and do is like kind of engender like a like a feeling of collectivity like in the classroom where it's like it's not about you being better than your peer actually like it's about you being like you are you and your peer is who they are 
And then the two of you or the four of you or like the 11 of you are trying to figure out ways to best help each other and kind of like form a coalition of artists with then with whom you then go out into the world because like no artist is an island and when you try and be an island you fucking shrivel up and you die like by yourself like you can't you know I mean some people are very isolated but I would even argue that those people are still in a kind of community like if they've done this for a long time you know you still have like friends you need you need people around you to talk to your work like to talk to you about your work and like to like help you with your work and to like you know push your push you around and to inspire you and like that I think can be very easily modeled in the classroom like in these kind of settings where they're already put together as a group and so they could get to know each other and work together and like build something together and and that feels more productive to me than like this other kind of than one alternative, which would be to like not do that or to not engender that. Um, because I also think that like, I don't know, creating an environment within which people are feel empowered to like take risks is this thing that, um, that if you don't feel like you are safe enough to take a risk um, or that other people will kind of help you take that risk, you don't. And then you don't push boundaries and you don't grow and you don't kind of like discover things. And then it's like, what are we even doing at that point? You know, Mm -hmm. why even do it? So then it becomes this kind of thing about like just doing what you know instead of like doing something that might fail. And I feel like we talk so much about like failure and how important failure is in art. But I think sometimes what's missing is like a, a structure that can support and encourage failure and reward failure. Um, like true failure, not like lazy failure, but like active failure Mm -hmm. or something like, I don't know, just so that you can kind of also then like push through it and, and grow from it. So like, that's been something that I've been kind of trying to do. And, um, yeah. And I don't, I give, I give like two lectures. I give like one lecture on like photographic technology and how the evolution of that. And then I give another lecture on, um, on, well, actually, I changed it this year um, from being like a lecture on like certain kind of seminal photographers to being this uh, this like lead experience on how to look at a photograph or like some of the terminology to use. Um, so like just basically like really basic, like breaking down like like subject, the difference between like subject form and content, um, talking about value, talking about how value creates um create space um and then showing kind of examples of that then we that that we then like analyze um and that kind of we do as a class and then I kind of let them loose and I give them like 30 photographs to choose from and then they have to kind of do that that we just did on their own and then I surprise them by making them give a presentation in class (laughs) but they don't know that they're about to give a presentation but they already did all the work for it but they're just like oh fuck I have to talk I didn't prep to talk you know and they're like what so it kind of like surprises them and like and then you feel for everyone who's up there because you too are like oh I didn't I'm not prepared either so then you're kind of kinder you're kinder and you're kinder and you're kinder and then in these kind of discussions that we have um like I give them the work um as like four photographers at a time it's a lot of kind of like um uh just like pure like extended looking and like really kind of 
digging and seeing what they can find and like the idea is that like they learn about art like from the art object like itself from from looking at art they learn about art from looking at art and then and then talking about art and writing about art and it sounds so simple but it's actually like I don't know there's no shortcut to it you know like that's how you would do it um and then I I find that it creates this like really incredible respect for art and for artists and for like a body of work and also for the process and then and then I found that it makes their pictures a lot better. I don't know. Yeah. So that's how that's how we do that. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> I would love to take your class. <laughs> oh my god. No, but this has been really, really great. <laughs> oh, thanks. Real pleasure talking with you. You too. <laughs> We're just like laughing at each other now. Just like, I just feel like squeezing your cheeks. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> That was my conversation with El Perez that we recorded in Flushing, Queens. This episode was produced by me, Jordan Weitzman, and was edited by Christo Duhem. Music on this episode by Damien Lazarus, Poddington Bear, Michelle Macklem, and the Monks. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.